You know, Rachel, it's funny. Uh, I went to an all-girls school. I went to Barnard. Of course, it's part of a large university with plenty of dudes hanging out on campus. But there's something about being in an all-women's community when it comes to issues of concern. Women need women. Women like to have community. And it's it's absolutely true. It's true as a mom, it's true in the workplace, as a professional, and certainly during COVID, the need for community or to have a safe place to land has become even more important as so many people with an increased burden on women feeling the social and emotional burden, in addition to financial, of being in COVID. One of the things that, the, that our guest today talks about um, is really what she's seeing as a trend in people building intergenerational relationships. And that just feels so big and important. You know, I remember when my kids would come home and they would get their sex ed information from other fifth graders, you know? So, you know, there's an advantage. Especially as we speak about the global population, you know, in the U.S., multi-generational family living or whatnot is not common, but we probably could get a lot of insight from multi-generational conversations, especially as we talk about this across the globe. There's just so much to learn from being in a community, whatever community it is that you choose to be a part of. And that's one of the reasons I feel so lucky to be doing this with you and to be in this community of women's wellness because it's very generous and very supportive. Not only that, Rachel, but when you are faced with any negative situations in your life, and we're going to hear about that from our guest, it always helps to have other women or community to lean on. I love how we always find women who make lemonades out of lemon. And what Amy talks about is how she was hit with a double, triple whammy, divorce, death, you know, some other thing that's disaster that starts with a D. And that gave her the motivation to create something better that she would have loved to have had when, the, when she was going through those experiences. Welcome to the business of the V. Hello, friends and colleagues. I'm Dr. Alyssa Dweck. And I'm Rachel Braunschirl. Each week, we bring you the most fascinating investors, inventors, entrepreneurs, academics, and healthcare practitioners who are making things happen in women's sexual and reproductive health. If you are a woman, know a woman, have a business or care about your V health and wellness, fasten your seatbelts and listen in to another informative and inspiring episode. We are so excited to have our guest today, Amy Williams, who's the founder and CEO of Fem Foundry. Um, she's an innovator, an entrepreneur, and a founder, and has brought her immense talents to a very specific vision um, and a mission for her organization. So welcome. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. And we want to thank you because it is, we do these on Monday night and that means it's six hours later in uh, England. So you're getting an MVP for being the most willing to do this in the middle of the night. Um, so start with telling us about Fem Foundry and how you got there. 
Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, it's always an interesting question because I think most uh, founders and people want a straight line and an easy answer. And I'm always very honest. And the honest answer is that was not a straight line or an, e or an, or an easy one. Um, I essentially, it's a sort of a myriad of events, but um, for the purposes of radio version and podcast version, I'll try and be brief. Um, I, I have 20 years media experience um, in, in the marketplace and um, I sort of naturally came to a point in my career where I was very um, frustrated with what was on offer for females in a very fragmented marketplace. Um, and I myself sort of couldn't find what I was looking for and what I was looking for was, was all over the place. And then um, through a series of my own um, sort of pillars, if you like, in my life, cataclysmically coming down all at the same time so I say I did I did 25 30 years in in the space of about uh five so I'm now doing some good stuff um it all came down at once um and then also I was working for a company at the time who was a tech company that were sort of trying to do a similar thing in the sort of social media landscape um and through that Femme Foundry was sort of born. So I always say through a series of unfortunate events became um, an idea for what is now Femme Foundry. And that is essentially, you know, I think it's all through um, your own personal experience, isn't it? And through my own personal experience, I couldn't find what I was looking for through, a, um, you know, also a series of events that, that led me into what is now Femme Foundry. So... No one has, I love what you said that it's not a straight line. I always say your career path looks linear when you look backwards because yeah, you, sure, you yeah. it. it's generally not a straight line going forward. Would you be comfortable sharing some of the events? And if you're not, that's okay. But would you be comfortable sharing the kinds of things you're talking about that led to your sort of disenchantment and before you founded Femme Foundry? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, through, I think I, I work a, I think first off, I worked in very male dominated um, companies and atmospheres. Um, I won't, I won't name and shame who they are. Um, but, um, you, you know, through that experience um, of working in male dominated industries, those industries very much sort of, I suppose, whether they meant to or not, taught women that the road to the top was um, by being, I suppose, not that great and not behaving that that great to other women and kicking other women out of the way or having to push other women down to get to where you needed to be because those positions at the top were so um, few and far between for women. And there was that whole, um, shall we say, you know, golfing atmosphere between between men that if you if you golf, you tend to, you know, get those positions, whether you were the right person for the job or not. And I think through women not being that great to myself, I sort of really learned that actually, I really wanted to create a space where women genuinely were supportive of one another and that that atmosphere, you know, didn't exist and actually teach women that we, and, and girls coming up through the ranks that you didn't need to be like that to get to where you needed to be. I mean, essentially it all happened to me, um, death, divorce, <laughs> infidelity, um, redundancy, you name it, it happened. Um, and so that sort of led to what now Femme Foundry is and me creating a space where, you know, ultimately I never wanted another female to go through what I went through and all the things that I went through, but I wanted people to be able to have 
a space to be able to find what they needed and those connections in that space, whether that be through physical health, mental health, financial health, um, or spiritual health, which is, you know, what Femme Foundry is about and why those four pillars exist, because women we are so multifaceted and I believe that all of those things are very intrinsically linked that's a a, a lot to uh, a lot to digest and uh, <laughs> yeah. making some a really big vat of lemonade out of those lemons um you know I have to always bring this back to my gynecologic practice where I notice whether it's because of a diagnosis of cancer or something less serious, or whether it's traversing the journey of menopause or whether it's sexual health issues, whatever the case may be, women need women and they need a community to speak to, to realize that they're not alone, to sort of normalize some of these experiences and Mm -hmm. also to gain advice from people who have been there, done that. Are you finding that health and wellness hits your site in terms of conversation or is it really more about um you know non-health related circumstances no i would say absolutely health is at the forefront of of what the platform is and actually we very much talk about the platform um in terms of those four pillars in a much more holistic way than i think other platforms do um and that because health really goes across all of those four pillars that that i sort of mentioned and that's why we call it even financial health because um you know we we find and and certainly from my own experiences like like you just um said that if one of those or two of those is out of whack then really you know that that whole sort of pillar system can come down quite quickly Um, and certainly as i said that that's why they're so intrinsically linked and health really um you know from spiritual health financial health physical health mental health um they are so intrinsically linked to each other so health is at the absolute forefront of what we talk about on the platform and certainly from that community angle of women being able to speak to other women in a safe environment be able to have those conversations um you know there's a conversation going on at the moment about um women's periods having have they changed haven't they changed since um the vaccinations for example because as we know there's been you know so much um, in the press about that um, and I think women want to just actually hear it from other women and hear their experiences like you say yeah couldn't agree more do you engage experts in these fields to comment or moderate or try to just dispel any myths or misinformation or provide any sort of advice or is it mostly women um you know just contributing their own story so it's, it's a mix of both. We don't at the moment have um, moderators as such in that, in that um, sort of, I suppose, more um, expert space on a daily basis because we want the conversation to feel um, as open and natural in that sense as possible. However, we do have what we call leaders on the platform, which, which Rachel is one. Um, and they are from, so everything on the platform is from original research. Um, so the largest piece of female research ever done Um, across the globe Um, and one of the things that came out of that research was that 74% of women globally don't feel they have a positive female role model and then when you break that down one that is accessible to them um, you know one that might look like them from similar background all of those things so 
we're trying to, um, I suppose, put these leaders in place on a global um, platform where these leaders can come and um, com have those conversations and jump into these conversations, um, you know, to which they are experts in those fields. One of the themes that you've touched on is Alyssa sees in, this in her office all the time and we talk about it all the time. A woman is a combination of so many different aspects. So you can't talk about sexual health without talking about mental health. You can't talk about bone health without talking about cardiac health. And I love the integration as well of the financial piece. I mean, your life is a sum of a number of different things. It's not mm -hmm. one that we were just talking with someone last week about incontinence and when they were talking about it, and most people would think of it as, I'm, you know, maybe I have some urine linkage. People stop their lives because of the embarrassment and the smell mm -hmm. and the discomfort. And we don't realize as a society how far reaching these um, implications are. Alyssa, I want to ask you a question because you, it's clear every time we talk or anyone meets you, how you are often that source and that that place, safe place to go for women. Do you often hear women coming in saying, you know, I'm so alone. I, I don't, I don't know anyone who's doing this or going through this and I don't know where to turn. Well, absolutely. And, you know, sometimes I'm the last stop because women have not found a forum where there's reputable information or, you know, uh, uh, you know, good research like you're speaking about. For example, this whole issue with menstruation and COVID vaccinations, the jury is still out on whether there is, a, is an effect. And, you know, I think only time will tell. But anecdotally, I'm seeing this in my office very frequently, even for women on birth control pills, even for women who are traversing the whole perimenopausal journey, where bleeding habits have changed. And it seems, at least anecdotally, to be related to the timing of their vaccinations or boosters. Mm -hmm. I don't know, Amy, is this what women are talking about on your site? Are they noticing the same thing? And have you had any uh, research or experts that you can point to that seems reputable? Because I'm not really seeing uh, anything definitive just yet. Yeah, so I think it's a really good question. And we we certainly haven't seen anything definitive. And we've asked a couple of our experts and they've had the exact answer that, that you've just given. Um, however, I'd say um, anecdotally on the platform, it is a big conversation. We have also had private DMs um, on the matter. Um, so it is something that we are looking into to see if that we, we can do a, a talk or an event on it to um, you know be hosted by experts, because obviously we are not medical experts. Um, to you know delve into that conversation more certainly the conversation and the reports that we're having from women on the platform um, and myself um, included into that is that um, certainly from the timing from from my booster um, and others on the platform they are all reporting very similar symptoms into uh, you know changes of their their period changes um, in terms of much heavier bleeding um, migraines and things like that but it's you know obviously we don't know the actual medical science directly linked but timing wise it would seem sort of you know that it, that it is maybe somehow linked but as I say I'm not a medical profession so here's today's hot flash Reuters reported that there's been a huge increase in both depression anxiety and mental health ailments during this pandemic 
In fact, for numerous reasons, women are more likely to experience this. There's never been more of a need for community than during this time. Sure, it seems, uh, it seems more than coincidental, but time will tell. Yeah. I'm just curious, what is your demographic? I mean, other than being super inclusive, which I noted on your site, is there an age demographic uh, that you're really catering to? Um, it's a really interesting question and one we get all the time. And again, um, the, the, the research that was done was done on women aged 17 up to 65. And that was across 19 countries. Um, and that, that research took uh, five years to complete. So, you know, when we say diverse, we mean from sort of every angle. Um, and age is certainly one of those angles that I'm very, very passionate about that we serve in a very diverse way. You know, particularly that I have a media background, I'm 42 and, you know, um, the media media marketing professionals out there would have us believe that post the age of 30 we fall off a cliff and somehow don't exist which is <laughs> as we know is utterly ridiculous um, and we've certainly seen a rise in um, you know I was sort of see, seeing the sea change in this just before Covid and then Covid I would say has exponentially sped this up in what we would what we describe as cross-generational friendships um, and that from um, you know I, I use my own set of circumstances and friends you know I've got friends in their 20s and their 30s and their 40s in their 60s as well um, and I think that, that times have really changed in that sense of um, you know only sticking to your own peer groups and we, we see that from a mentorship point of view as well so to answer your question we're still quite a young platform I would say um, looking at it at the moment our probably um, biggest demographic is um, probably 25 to 35 40 but we absolutely want to grow that and it, as I say it's all based on that red original research so our aim is to be serving from 17 up to 65 and we certainly try and cover that from um, you know what we call our edit pieces which is a USB on the platform as well so more like a publishing lens within a social media community if you like um, but as we grow and develop and, and get larger and obviously have more team members we'll be able to serve a, a wider audience. So to that end how do you make money what's the business model um, <laughs> is it in development um, how do you see this? I, I, yeah, I'm very familiar in, in this space. There are lots of women only or people who identify um, as women organizations for support for particular conditions. How does this work? Because, you know, you, you've obviously been in business for a long time and ultimately this is a business. Yeah, well, it's a good, I mean, at the moment we don't make money, we're pre-revenue, <laughs> but- um, Isn't that much is, better than we don't make money pre-revenue? I love that. Like, pre-revenue sounds much more glamorous than, yeah, we, like, we just- Like a used car, <laughs> a used car versus a pre-owned car. It just we're just doing, it, just doing it for fun right now, you know, yeah. it's really fun being a, a, an entrepreneur. Um, no, I mean, I, I think um, two things. Firstly, we are, we- have very global ambitions and certainly my ambition is to unite women um, on a global level and that much bigger audience of women and that cross-generational uh, friendships, cross-generational expertise to open up this conversation and and I believe you know it's that whole sort of together we're stronger but in a much sort of more a much larger framework um, 
but in to your question to make money it eventually will be a subscription platform but um we want to price it very economically very fairly um, and alongside that we will have um pay-as-you-go solutions as well so that if you maybe can't afford to or you don't want to have that subscription option you can have a pay-as-you-go option we will have a foundry forward option, which is an option to pay between one and five pounds additional for your membership every month. And that goes into a grant system so that um, others that might not be able to afford it, we can look at communities and underserved areas um, and offer those um, premium memberships um, as part of that grant system. Because our sort of our aim is to be able to um, enable and upskill every woman on the planet you know our, our um, platform is mobile first although it is available on desktop but it's absolutely mobile first and that's because 94 percent of women um, across the globe have a mobile phone and obviously that's much more cost effective um, and then obviously advertising that that old demon where i'm from um will play a, a big role but um i think we're looking at it from a very different lens and um certainly who we work with and why we work with them and why we work with those brands will be very much taken into consideration and we will have a sort of rule book as to what that looks like. Other than information, what else are you selling? I'm, I was fascinated to see like NFTs on your site, which of course is, uh, you know, the new, the new exciting uh, thing to think about. Yeah, I mean, the NFT world um, was very new to me. So um, I am not an expert in NFTs. Let's just make that very, very, very clear. <laughs> um, but um, other than information, it's about, so we have an academy where um, we don't say they're courses because it's not about going and getting an MBA, but it is about upskilling. And we say upskilling in your back pocket. Um, and again, this is the aim to, you know, economically and globally be able to offer women something that, um you know that they, they might not have done before and that's you know from anything from what is crypto to the metaverse to what the f are nfts because you know everybody's talking about them but you know not all of us know what the hell they are or, or what does it mean how do i buy one to um you know how to shoot um products on your iphone um we've got a, a new session just dropped which is all about financial health um and they're all broken down into 15 minute segments so they're supposed to be really bite sizable um really digestible and the point is you can you can dip into any of them from anywhere um, and there will always be a free a free sort of basis to the platform and then as we grow and evolve there'll be different ones that obviously some are some are charged and some will be in with that premium membership um, and then we we host a lot of events as well and the, the other side is um sort of really giving women that control to female capital so they will be allowed women are allowed to promote their products and services on there they can run their own events on there um, we also have a sort of aggregator section which is where you have your sort of groups section similar to another massive brand we know which I'm probably not allowed to say <laughs> we can all guess who that is but um you know in a much nicer safer environment than that um <laughs> to be able to you know have your own group create your own community on there um grow that community but then cross collaborate with obviously the Fem Foundry community so it's very much about you know changing the script on how women really genuinely work together and we've seen already women and brands 
brands and people connecting on the platform and then going and doing business off the platform. And that's absolutely fine by us. And that's why we exist and we love it. And we absolutely love those stories when that happens. You know, what I love is just the, again, this is why I asked about the demographics. I see that so many of the young women I see in practice, they seem to get most of their information from other people in their own age bracket. You know, the, the days of, well, what was your mother's menopause experience like? Or, you know, something along that line are kind of over, or at least I'm not really seeing a whole lot of that. So I think it's really great that, you know, younger and not so much younger women can get information from each other. Mm. I guess the, uh, the elephant in the room for me is, are men allowed? Are men even allowed on your platform? They, they absolutely are. And yeah, we, we get this question all the time. And again, um, I love that question because um, I think traditionally a lot of the um, traditional female networks, whether meaningfully or not, have um, perhaps ostracized men. And, you know, and the word feminist for a while was quite a dirty word. Um, and we really want to make that word a really great word to be proud of again. And there's so many men that I know that are diehard feminists. Um, and there's so many men in, in all those areas that we talked about, and particularly in health as well. When you look at fitness, um, there's huge amounts of men, um, who only train women who are experts in that area, who are doing really phenomenal things for women um, and you know husbands boyfriends all of those things that are massive supports in women's lives so we absolutely don't man bash and we really believe that men should be allowed um, to have a voice and be part of the platform it is a female first platform um, but we have one strike and you're out none of this nine strikes ten strikes rule one strike <laughs> any misbehaving you're out we do ask men to have a um a a bio and a picture and sort of a read to tell introduce women as to why they're there because ultimately you know our safety of our women on the platform is our you know our ultimate concern you had mentioned a bit earlier i wanted to go back to it you know in your career and you know some of the really difficult challenges you faced there was a lack of having a model and one of the things that i've loved so much about being in this space in women's health is we now have people, as Alyssa was mentioning, in so many different different areas. Like I think we, we're the gray hair, <laughs> but there's people in every cohort learning from one another and sharing best practices. And it, from my perspective, is a very um, generous group. I think people who start, when, once you start with mission-driven, people immediately sort of clue into the kind of company you are, even if your mission isn't identical. Um, so Alyssa, I wanted to ask you though, with this idea of models, I mean, you were, when you went to medical school, as young as you are, that was quite a long time ago. And did you have a model for a female surgeon who's going to be an obstetrician, gynecologist, author, speaker, surgeon, and sexual health expert? I mean, that, that's a, I can't imagine you, so you maybe saw 10 people who <laughs> all together did that. But did you have a model that inspired you, a, a person who you could look up to and say, I want to be her or him? Yeah, I want to be him actually resonates more with me. And I'm not sure if there just weren't any female models in my midst or if it just was sort of a, 
a, a blind ambition that I had to just, you know, go with the coolest mentors that I could find. And it didn't really matter whether they were men or women. So I'd have to subscribe to that. Um, of course, I went to medical school when I was five, right? That's how right. I yeah. Which um, would explain but, how you have 30 years of practice. <laughs> at this point. But you know what? I had loads of mentors, many of whom were men. I just sort of negated the whole gender thing and just said, I love this quality. I want to be like that. I love that this pathway was uh, ridden by this person, man or woman, and I want to do something like that. I was drawn to a field that now is predominantly female. I mean, I think you'll find that not only do most women want to see women as gynecologists, but most gynecologists are women. And that's a change from when I trained where it was much more of a 50-50 type of split. Um, but yes, I, I, I surely have women mentors that I just admire aspects of their personalities or I love their grit. Um, but my mentor in my residency was a man and I think that's just a-okay. Amy, for people who are going through hard times as, as every human does and certainly as every entrepreneur does, is there or are there uh, pieces of wisdom that you'd, you'd like to share saying, if you were to say, boy, if I had only known then <laughs> what I know oh, yeah. now. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure we have that much time, um, but <laughs> I, I'd, I'd say, I'd say the biggest one is, is the, the rose tinted glasses and that, you know, I think the, the age old sort of models of looking and especially influencer culture, right? I think that that for particularly for, for young girls and, and young, young people, I think that's got to be really, really tough in, the, in that, like you say, that humility for me is the biggest thing for anybody to learn. And um, I got, you know, dosed a lot of humility when, when every area of your life comes down or even one or two comes spectacularly down, you tend to get a lot of humility. And I think when you start to see life from other perspectives, um, but I think it's very easy, particularly for entrepreneurs and for very successful women and men to look up to them and think, oh, their life's being easy. It's been in, like you say, that straight path, that straight road. And I think Sometimes women are not as good at being open about that that road was really tough and it was really hard and it wasn't straight and it was it was, you know, quite wonky. Maybe sometimes it doesn't even have to be really hard, but you're you know, but it's not quite as as easy and as polished as we, we all, you know, sort of can see. Someone said to me the other day, classic example, I was chatting to a friend I haven't spoken to for ages. And I mean, you two can see what I look like right now, a pair piled on my head, no makeup, you know, hoodie, this is founder life. I used to be glamorous in, in back in the day. And uh, she, I, she saw my, um, my press picture and she was like, well, you know, you, you don't look tired, you look absolutely great. And I said, I was like, babe, there are about 400 pictures and that was the only good one. I had my period, I felt bloated, I felt really tired. I did not feel good about life. Um, I just think we're, like we have to be more, you know, open and honest about these things. And that's what ultimately makes other people feel better. And they're like, oh, thank God she's normal. You know, it's not it's not all, you know, glamorous as, as you know, life and pictures and, and social media can depict. Um, so I think humility is um, a really good one to sort of learn and understand that you know, everybody has their journey, right? And just because it looks good from the outside doesn't mean that's reality. 
Well, thank you so much for bringing your humility um, <laughs> to the creation of Femme Foundry and giving women a place where, and men, giving people a place where they can talk about really important topics in a way that's comfortable and yeah. learn from different generations. So keep going. We'll look forward to seeing where, how many countries you're in the next time we speak to you and continued success. Yeah, thank you very much. Don't forget, subscribe to our podcast at businessofthev.com for the latest trends and trendsetters in women's health and business.